Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, and welcome to Top Docs. Today, I'm talking to Alexandria Jackson, director of Sophie and the Baron, one of the 15 short films named to this year's Oscar shortlist. Sophie and the Baron had its world premiere at the 2021 South by Southwest Film Festival and won Best Short at the Santa Fe Independent Film Festival. The film is a Disney original documentary and is currently available for streaming on Disney+. Alexandria Jackson is a director and producer whose credits include producing Courtney Cox's Just Before I Go and directing film and photography projects for Grammy award-winning artists. And now my conversation with the director of Sophie and the Baron, Alexandria Jackson. Alexandria Jackson, welcome to Top Docs. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Can you give us a log line for Sophie and the Baron? Sophie and the Baron is a story about a chance meeting abroad that blossoms into an unlikely friendship and collaboration between legendary rock and roll photographer Baron Woolman and abstract artist Sophie Kipner. What attracted you to these two great artists? Well, Sophie Kipner is my cousin. And I've been following her around since I was a little one. I've always really admired her and just how she is, her joie de vivre, just her, her personality in general. She's really a wonderful kook and extremely interesting. And I just, I love her. And Baron Woolman is, I have my background in photojournalism and Sophie and I both grew up in music families. So he's shot some of the most iconic music photos of all time. Jimi Hendrix with his guitar, that iconic shot of Mick Jagger with the top hat, B.B. King, Miles Davis, the list is endless. And he captured a lot of the most sort of iconic shots from Woodstock as well. Not just the shots of the musicians, but also the crowds and just the vibe. So much of what we know of that time is from, or I do personally, having not lived in that era is from his photographs. So I'm a huge fan of both of them separately. When did you become familiar with Barron's work? I think that Sophie and I were always aware of Barron's work. Sophie knew she had met him actually in a bar in London when she was working as a bartender and they got to speaking and she realized after he left that he was the person who she'd been collecting his photos, hoping to reinterpret them in her really cool style. And it was just this chance, magical meeting, very fortuitous. And she followed up with Baron and just was brave enough to ask him, can I reinterpret some of your work? And his philosophy is always to say yes and to be open to mentorships and to collaboration. So he said yes. And that's how the whole thing sort of started. But we were both aware of his work separately. You know, they met in London and Baron was studios based in Santa Fe and, and Sophie came back to Topanga at the time. And she knew that I had a background in photography and that we should meet. So we did. And I fell in love with both of them and their dynamic. And, and that's how the whole thing started. So what we're seeing in the film is actually the result, of course, of a three-way collaboration between the two of them and you. How did those two artists react to the idea of your making a film about them? It happened really organically. I saw the two of them together and fell in love with their dynamic and how much fun they were to be around. And just the beauty of someone with such iconic career opening himself and trusting newer artists with his work. I found their dynamic just so inspiring and couldn't help but film it. And the fact that Baron trusted Sophie with his art and then in turn they both trusted me filming them was I think a beautiful example of artists validating each other and what can come of that. And that's, I think, a really important thing. I read somewhere that Barron said that 
the key to a good photograph is getting the subject to relax. Both of your subjects seem very relaxed. How did you create an atmosphere where that was the case? I think because Sophie's my cousin, she was used to me being around the whole time. So she was able to, she says, politely ignore me, <laughs> but she was able to narrate her wacky thoughts. I don't find many people as interesting as Sophie. She happens to be my cousin, but I love her brain. I love her confused little accent. Her dad's Australian. Her mom's English. She's born here. She's just all over the place. And it's so fun to hear her narrate her thoughts. She says that she, it couldn't have happened if it hadn't been me filming because she would have been self-conscious in a way that she wasn't with me. And then Baron, I think it was just so natural and comfortable in his skin, which was something that was so inspiring to us and probably why he was so open to letting us do our things. He was a fan of Sophie's work and she's also a writer, her writing, but you know, she's a much newer artist. I'm not a known filmmaker. I have a background in photography, but he really took a chance on us. And I think that he's very easy to be around. And so for him, it was just very natural, I think, to be natural. Baron did not have formal training as a photographer. He just kind of fell into it and learned it as he went, obviously had a great eye. We learned that Sophie grew up in a family of musicians and artists herself. But does she have formal training as an artist? Yeah, she studied art. I think that this particular style came about very organic for her. She roots it in blind contour, which is an art school technique where you don't look at the page and you look at the subject. Basically, it gets you out of your head and to stop judging yourself. So you look at the subject, not the page. You don't lift up your pen and you just go for it. It's really fun. It's a great thing to do at home with your kids too and force them to look at you, whereas not maybe not their screens. And it just brings a lot of joy and it's a fun activity. Of course, Sophie's blind contours are incredible. It's dif different from what I do. <laughs> if you look at mine, it's not the same thing. But what she did was she used that as a way to get out of her head. And then of course, there's many layers of artistry that come on top of that. She shades it in, she paints it in, and she does all that looking. But that initial thing allows her to really capture for her, she calls it the juju, like the essence of what she's seeing, because she's taking out that judgment and she's really just focusing on the subject, much like kind of how a photojournalist doesn't consciously compose a shot. They're just quick, just like Baron shoots in the moment. And that's very much how I shot this film as well. None of us were planning it. Of course, we brought our skills to the table, but it wasn't overly orchestrated or composed. It was just very organic. And that's kind of how Sophie starts her work. That's how Baron would shoot. And that's how I shot this. That's interesting because I was about to ask you to compare and contrast their creative processes because it occurred to me that maybe there were some big differences in that as a photographer, he's looking through the viewfinder and he's kind of seeing what he's creating as he's creating it. Whereas in blind contouring, she's not looking at what's in the frame of the canvas, but you've just pointed out some interesting things about how their process is actually similar. Yeah, it is because it's so quick. But listen, of course, it's completely different mediums. They're different ages. The two of them really exemplify how art kind of transcends mediums and times and can connect us in really beautiful ways. But of course, their mediums are different. But I think that they shared a philosophy and sort of a just jump in and be in the moment that was true in their life, but also in their work. 
I, I love the fact that both artists visit each other's studios. It kind of helps puncture this idea of the studio as this kind of sanctum, sanctorum, the artist alone and nobody else can come in there. But for them, it seems like a place of sharing and collaboration. Was that always the plan to have her visit his home slash studio in Santa Fe and then have him come and visit her studio in L.A.? How did that come about? I don't, yeah, I don't think it was a conscious plan. I think that Sophie was going to select some works of Baron. So once she got brave enough to ask him and he said yes, he invited her up to Santa Fe to see his work and to pick images to recreate because she had a show coming up at Hotel Figueroa in, in Los Angeles, a solo show, which actually was extended longer than any artist. And she sold every single work. It was like a huge success. But Sophie went up there and was just enamored with all of these unbelievable shots. And it's interesting. The first one she chose to reinterpret was a photo of a crowd at Woodstock. And I, you know, at the time thought she was absolutely insane because to tackle a crowd with that many faces, hundreds of faces in her style seemed crazy. So the first shot that she chose was called Love Your Animal Friends. And it's this wild and wacky shot of Moonfire with his pet sheep in, in a huge crowd in Woodstock. It was quite an undertaking. She has a very kind of light quality to her. And yet this is a technically difficult drawing that she's undertaken here, but she seems undaunted by an unfazed. And that's what I love about Sophie. She just jumps right in. It struck me that they have this great rapport. They're playful with each other. They're clearly mutually supportive of each other as artists. But when he comes into her studio, she's not done with the drawing. And it struck me that this could have been potentially disruptive to her kind of creative flow because you've got the guy who created the original work of art from which she is creating her own vision. And he's standing there looking at what you're doing in process. It felt to me a bit like the stakes were raised with him there. How did you feel in the moment when you were there with the two of them? Absolutely. It was so fun to see him see it for the first time, seeing Baron see Sophie's work for the first time in the studio. And he loved it. He was blown away. So yes, absolutely. The stakes were raised for Sophie, but he was just so completely supportive the whole way through. It would have felt manufactured to create some tense moment there. He was just overjoyed. I'm sure for Sophie, it was nerve wracking, but he walked in and was like blown away. You couldn't do wrong in his eye. I mean, he was also a fan of the way that Sophie does her work. It would have been definitely different had he not loved what she did, but he loved it. And that day was really wonderful for me to hear them talk about it because then they started talking about those faces and those people. But I don't think he could have known at the time what a gift it would have been to him as well. We were shooting for three years and the last six months before we finished shooting, he found out that he was basically diagnosed with ALS. And we finished shooting in March, 2020. I went up there. I was the last person outside of two people who looked after him in his final year. We had a great dinner and we picked up some shots and had a wonderful time. And a couple months after that, he lost his ability to speak and obviously the world was shut down. So we were fortunately editing this film throughout that year. I spoke to Baron almost every day 
for months and months and months. And he lost his ability to speak, but he was texting and was so involved with the film and loved it so much. He considered the bookend to his life as a photographer and friend, which is a huge honor for Sophie and I. And just something we could never have imagined. He watched it three times the day before he died. His dear friend who was looking after him told us. And it wasn't some sad thing. It was really fun and positive. He would give me you know, really hard time about misspelling Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and we had a really fun banter and he kept me accurate. I had so many questions for him, how he met Jan Winner and how that all happened because he was the first chief photographer of Rolling Stone magazine. So it ended up being this great thing for all of us on levels that we couldn't have imagined had we not just jumped in. When the show is going to premiere at the Hotel Figueroa, he comes in, he walks up to the painting, he loves it. He's absolutely enthralled with it, as are we. I mean, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous drawing. It's funny what he says. He says, I really didn't think you could do it. And it's not like he says it in a serious kind of like, I was really doubting you and blah, blah, blah. But it's a sort of spontaneous expression because the level of difficulty is obviously so high. That actually surprised me too, because he didn't let us know. He was so encouraging the entire time, but I'm sure he was like, oh God, who picks that photo? Again, she picked the most complicated photo with all of these faces to blind contour and then paint. I think he probably did have a little bit of something that he expressed jokingly, but he never let us know. I think then when it was done, he was extremely happy with it. Obviously there's an element of serendipity that seems to run through their lives as artists. One is sort of being in the right place, right time with Barron, meeting Jan Wenner, the co-founder of Rolling Stone and becoming the publication's first photographer. Another one is the meeting of these two in the London bar and the serving of the vodka tonic, the infamous vodka tonic, which led to a conversation and ultimately a collaboration. How do you see serendipity as a theme in this film? I think it's a, a big theme and it's a big way that Baron and Sophie have lived their lives being open to serendipity and recognizing it. It was brave for Sophie to ask to reinterpret his work. And the, the meeting was serendipitous, but then her bravery in asking this unbelievable artist with these iconic shots was all her. I think that if we're open to it, there's a lot of beautiful things that can happen in life. And I think that Sophie and Baron both exemplify that and something really cool came out of it. Can you give us an update on Sophie and, and her work and where Absolutely. we can find it? Yep. Sophie Kipner, sophiekipner.com. She has her website and it's going extremely well. She is rep by Arushi Gallery in Los Angeles and is doing extremely well with commissions. She's doing so well. Even before this film, she had a lot of traction and people love her work. And she's kind of like a people's artist in a way, like all the commissions are coming. Now she has gallery representation, but it's all just referrals. People love her work and she has some pretty cool clients, but then just wonderful families. It's very organic also her, how, how she's been building this, but she works her little butt off. <laughs> Sophie's at it. What long-term impact do you think Baron had on Sophie? Baron had a profound impact on both of us. I think that his agreeing to this collaboration really just shows that you really should just put yourself out there as much as you can and ask. You should say yes. He always told us, just say yes. You can always say no later. You can always pivot. But if you don't say yes, you don't know what doors can be opened for you. And I think that 
Baron had a beautiful impact on both of us. There are a lot of layers to this, like our producers, Courtney Cox and Joanna Natasagara were very beautiful mentors to me. They gave me my first opportunities in film. They were incredibly involved in, in this film. Not many people know Courtney Cox is a wonderful documentarian. She's really into documentaries as well as obviously she's a great director and actress and all those things. And Joanna has made some really beautiful films like Virunga and White Helmets and has been one of my mentors. And I think mentorship is a real central theme in this film. Baron's mentoring to Sophie and in turn me, our producers coming in. We, we made this film with a bunch of friends. Even the Rolling Stones gave us a song, which is a crazy thing because Mick loved what Baron did and wanted to celebrate him in that way. So I feel like, yeah, it was a lot of yeses. You just have to go after it. I mean, I hounded to get a hold of Mick and and he said yes so you have to just ask and not many short docs are lucky enough to have a Rolling Stone song in them but Baron deserved that and so you just have to put yourself out there go for it ask and then the other thing is really if you have the ability to mentor people do it because you don't know what you could then get as a result Baron had no idea that this would be something extremely positive for him to be involved with that last year of his life and the joy that it gave him seeing Sophie's success was really fulfilling to him as well so I think they both benefited from jumping in and from that openness yeah, I think the cross-generational aspect of this is important too, because there are differences in generations, and I think that can lead to friction, it can lead to resentment, but here's a case where it can lead to a beautiful relationship. Yeah, he believed that Sophie breathed new life into his art and was really excited about that. You mentioned Mick Jagger and, and the Rolling Stones song in in the film and there's a lot of great songs in here and then you also have an original score by Joel Taylor what can you tell us about the music in the film Sophie and I grew up in music family so the music was always super important to me Joel Taylor is a friend of ours again this film was made with a bunch of friends and family which is really cool and he's just unbelievably talented he Joel played every instrument on the score he was able to sort of emulate the tone and vibe of the 60s, but then go into Sophie's magical, whimsical world, I think really quite beautifully moving between those two worlds. We also are lucky to have our friend Monagem, Jen Hirsch's music in the film, and Harrison Kipner, Rackets, his band, that's Sophie's brother, extremely talented musician, Glenn Campbell. We have the Rolling Stone, Sympathy for the Devil. And yeah, music is just a huge, a huge part of this. Bob Clearmountain mixed the score. We just had a really, really wonderful team. Well, as Baron says, for every opportunity that comes your way, you have to say yes. I'm so glad that you said yes to us today to be on Top Docs and talk about Sophie and the Baron. It's a wonderful film. There's a lot of joy in it and warmth. And I think that's something that's in short supply these days. So congratulations to you and Sophie and to everyone in your circle who contributed to this film. And I think it's an incredible testament to the enduring brilliance and humanity of Baron as well. Thank you so much, Ken. It was such a pleasure to see you. Thanks a lot, Alexandria, and great to meet you. Take care. Nice to meet you too. Bye, Ken. Yep, bye-bye.